Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I'm Carol Weidel, a member of the American Civil Liberties Union. Your support helps make Labor Radio and all the great programming on WORT possible. And I'm Jimmy Coonan. I'm a member of Carpenters and Joiners of America, Local 314. This week, the top story is the upcoming strike by nurses at UW hospitals and clinics. An update on the Minnesota nurses' strike, a report from LaborFest, OPEC local 39 workers continue to mobilize and to win a new contract, changes in labor, and much more. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining member of WORT and Labor Radio. Nursing members of SEIU will strike at the UW Hospital and Clinics Tuesday morning starting at 7.30 a.m. Frank Emspack has this story. Nurses at the University of Wisconsin Hospitals and Clinics are mobilizing for their strike for recognition of their union. The strike will be the first strike of this kind at a UW medical facility and arguably the largest strike of this nature in memory. Labor Radio spoke with Will, a nurse at UW Children's Hospital. We asked him to describe what the nurses are doing for the next few days as they build support for the strike. So first off, we're still trying to get to people who are on the fence about striking, um, specifically nurses who are on the fence who are we unfortunately, there's been a lot of intimidation. There's been threats of losing your job or being in poor standing. You know, so a lot of people are worried: if I go out, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to suffer some consequences as a result for standing up for our community and our patients? And I think we're we're just trying to get those people to come with us. We've emphasized that solidarity and having a big group out there is is really important to protect us, while also emphasizing we are protected by Wisconsin law. So we are, so first off, that's one of our, our main focus is to try and get those people on the fence, try and get as many nurses out there as possible. SEIU Healthcare Wisconsin has also reached out to the labor community. Also, I know that we've reached out to many unions. We had Labor Fest on Labor Day. And that was a rousing success. And we had a bunch of unions support us. They're going to come picket with us. Some are not going to cross the picket line for for the hospital during our strike. And I know that at least one offered to make us lunch too on one of the days, so. Union members have given more than just lip service to the nurses. For example, the members of the Utility Workers Coalition at their meeting of 21 local unions collected $1,800 for the strike fund yesterday. To strike is a big step forward for most of us. Labor Radio asked Will to describe why the nurses were driven to strike and what they expect to accomplish. The reasons we're going on strike is we want to provide safe, quality care for our patients. And I think the best way to do that is to through union recognition. So we have, throughout the last few years, we've had uh, increased turnover rate. We have experienced nurses leaving in droves. 
We have lean staffing, which they've continued even throughout the pandemic. We're getting, you know, uh, loads and loads of patients and we've had to change staffing ratios and stuff, which is not necessarily the safest option. You know, we've had cuts, we've had turnovers and, and just that's led to a lot of exhaustion, a lot of burnout from us and ultimately patients suffer for, for that. So that's really our main reason why we're going out. Will made it clear as to why they wanted the union. And we believe that a union is going to give us the, the, the leverage and the, the, the power, basically the power to have nurses at the table when they're talking, when, when administration is talking about certain policies that affect patients at the bedside. Will went on to contrast the existing system of shared governance with the union. Shared governance provides, you know, advice for to the administration, while the union provides uh, an enforceable contract that that they would be beholden to. So, Will made this last point. I'd just like to emphasize that we are doing this for the community. We're we're trying to. I I think you know some people might balk at the idea of nurses walking out, but people are going to be safe. And we're not going to abandon anybody. You know, we're there for them. We're doing this for our patients in our community. And yeah, we hope that UW listens. Thanks to Will, a nurse at UW Children's Hospital. I am Frank Emsbach from Madison Labor Radio. Nurses in Minnesota have also decided to strike. My colleague, Carol Weidel, reports. 15,000 Minnesota nurses in the Twin Cities, Twin Ports, and Moose Lake announced their intention to strike on Monday, September 12th. Earlier in August, the Minnesota Nurses Association, or MNA, authorized a strike of more than 15,000 nurses under seven hospital systems. That earlier vote authorized negotiation leaders to call a strike following a 10-day notice to the employer. On September 1st, the union issued that notice. After the MNA filed its required notices, the hospital executives are now demanding that nurses file an additional 30-day notice with the State Bureau of Mediation Services, or BMS, despite the fact that BMS does not have jurisdiction over private sector employers. The following is a statement from the MNA nurse negotiating teams. It is clear that the hospital executives are feeling the power of 15,000 nurses fighting for our patients and our profession. We will not be intimidated by their attempts to silence or scare us, and we intend to proceed with a strike to win fair contracts to put patients before profits. Hospital executives have already driven nurses away from the bedside by their refusal to solve the crisis of staffing and the retention in our hospitals, and we hope that they will not be so brash as to fire nurses for standing up to demand better. As tensions rise between the parties, the negotiation team added this comment. If hospital executives want to avoid a strike on September 12th, they should spend less time and money on lawyers and more time working with nurses to settle fair contracts to improve patient care and working conditions in our hospitals. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel. Madison's Labor Fest brought a huge crowd to the Labor Temple. Here are some voices from Labor Fest. What's your name? ML. Are you uh, are, are you with the union? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm in Union One Five Nine, IBEW. Why are you here today? I'm just here to see what's going on, check out the crowd, and be a part of the solidarity movement. I'm Jeff, who works for a local 18 sheet metal workers. 
Just enjoying the nice day and supporting my local union. Were you at previous Labor Fest? It's been off for a couple years. What's it like coming back to the Labor Fest? Glad to be back. Enjoying the nice weather. Had a couple beers, a little bit of food. Just visiting with people I've worked with in the past. Holding some uh, some balloon sculptures. Where'd you get those? Uh, the guy making balloon animals for the kids. I think he's gone now, but we got two little piggies and uh, some type of hat. Yeah, and it's your job to like get those home without them popping. Yeah, I'm just dragging around for my kid <laughs> while he's all playing. Uh, he's eight. Enjoying himself? Yep, he is. What's your name? Linda, Linda Keys. Why are you out here today? Supporting laborers, supporting the nurses specifically. I've never had the honor to be in a union, but I support them. My name is Kathy Thompson. I am here today to raise awareness of the fact that the trades can be a wonderful job for women. And I'm also here to basically be a visual reminder to try to attract women into the trades. We are desperate for people, and women only make the trade better. And we also work on retaining women after they do get into the trade. So we give them the tools that they need to continue to be successful on the job. Tell our listeners a little bit about your career, how you started in the trades. Well, I'm dating myself a little bit back here, but the way I got started in the trade was I saw the movie Flashdance, and the main character in Flashdance was a welder, and she said the line, a girl's got to make a living, and that resonated with me. So I started looking into welding, and I never looked back. I ended up being a steam fitter back in 1996, I became initiated into the union in 1997, and I've been a team better ever since. Mike Killian. I'm the business manager of IBW Local 159. Yep. And why are you out here today? To show our support for the nurses and the solidarity for the, all our union brothers and sisters. And who are you here with today? So I got my daughter here, uh, Callie, and I got my wife, Jackie, and our good friend, Jack and Kareem. <laughs> Have you been to Labor Fest before? No. This is your first Labor Fest. What was your name again? Callie. Kelly. And uh, so, so what do you think of it? It's fun. Have you, have you been able to have any food? Yeah, I got a hot dog. <laughs> was, that, was it a good union hot dog? Yes. I'm Jackie. Have you been to Labor Fest before? Oh, yes. Several of them. What have you been able to do today? Well, I've really sat around and visited uh, other people. But the thing is, I think there should be more things for the children. Okay. You agree there should be more, maybe more things for teens? Yes. Okay. All right. Michael Jones. President, Madison Teachers Incorporated. What brought you out here today? Oh, just sharing solidarity with my union siblings. It's, it was great. I was here helping with the setups, chucking some corn, and it's always cool to just hang out with some fellow uh, union siblings. Uh, what's your name? Kristen Scheffler. And, and your name? Tim Scheffler. Are, are you with MPI? We, we both are, yes. We're both in MPI. Um, why are you out here today? This is something we've missed doing since lockdown and we like to come out and just be with everybody and especially supporting our nurses, supporting our Red Cross, just making sure everybody's unionized. Did you regularly attend Labor Fest before COVID? Yes. Yeah. So you're in line for food. What are you, what are you hoping to get? Corn on the cob. <laughs> From either or both of you, what do you think of the current situation with the teachers? The board's proposing a you know, raise below inflation. How's that going to affect you and what do you have to say to people? 
Honestly, I, I sit on the bargaining committee and the handbook committee, and I can't stop swearing about it. So <laughs> I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to And say. I get to hear it, too. So. <laughs> What's your name? My name is Kate Walton. I'm a nurse at UW Hospital. A big contingent from, from SEIU, probably yes. for a good reason. Can you tell us why you're here today. Yeah, uh, we're here to get our union back. We are a union of nurses who have been organizing for over three years to get our union back at UW Hospital to get UW to recognize our rights. And we are planning to go on strike on the 13th of September if that doesn't happen. I've heard a lot of support for the nurses today. Well, what can people do? They can support us on the picket line. We'll be there September 13th through the 15th out in front of UW Hospital from 7 in the morning on. They can donate to our community strike fund and they can tell UW Hospital to recognize us and recognize our rights. I have on and off throughout my working life as an adult been in labor unions. It's always better if you're in a unionized workplace. I am a nurse. I was recently working at UW, but I left to um, go back to school. Everybody knew that you got a better deal if you worked in a unionized hospital. Thanks so much. Anything else you want to add? Um, no, I just I hope the nurses are able to really get what they need and the community will be out in support of them, but that I'm sure. Thanks to Labor Radio's Greg Jabowski for this report. Workers at CUNA in Madison are on the move. OPEIU, Office and Professional Employees International Union, Local 39. Workers at CUNA Mutual Group will hold an informational picket on Wednesday, September 14th at noon in front of the CUNA building on Mineral Point Road in Madison. Financial giant CUNA Mutual Group and its office staff union represented by OPEIU are in ongoing negotiations for a new collective bargaining agreement. These negotiations have dragged on for months due to the lack of progress pertaining to five key worker demands. OPEIU Local 39 Chief Steward Joe Avica outlines those five demands. Five priorities that we have within our bargaining process. The first is the protection of our HMO health care plan, as well as the expansion of our high deductible plans to become more affordable for our remote work employees. The second is to make sure to protect our pension plan since the company is proposing to freeze the pension for new hires, which would create another tiered system in our collective bargaining agreement. The third is remote work flexibility, which we have seen some significant progress on. A fourth is our compensation, making sure that the company deals with equity issues as well as offers wage increases that keep up with the pace of inflation. And then the last one is job security, so protection from outsourcing and contracting of work, making sure that the company backfills our positions. CUNA Mutual Group has had record profits in the past year, and employees continue to call for recognition of their contributions and their needs. The picket will take place on Tuesday, September 13th at noon, the same time as CUNA Mutual Group's grand opening of their new building named The Lighthouse. OPEIU Local 39 members conclude that if CUNA can afford to build a new building worth tens of millions of dollars, they can also afford to provide their members with quality wages and benefits, job security, and not ask for concessions at the bargaining table. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Madison Labor Radio.
Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang Breaking rocks and serving my time Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang Cause the done convicted me a crime Hold it steady right there while I hit it Well, I reckon that ought to get it been working Workers are seeking many ways to secure better working conditions and a voice at work. Worker co-ops are one such method. Carol Weidel reports. The Madison Cooperative Development Coalition is the city of Madison's initiative to form worker cooperatives that address income inequality and racial disparities. Workers can create living wage jobs and sustainable jobs when they form a worker co-op. Worker Cooperatives 101 is a program of the Madison Cooperative Development Coalition and the Madison Public Library to promote awareness about opportunities for economic development through worker cooperatives in Madison. Labor Radio spoke to Charity Schmidt, a cooperative development specialist. She described the Co-op 101 training available to interested workers. We hold Co-op 101s in partnership with the Madison Public Library. We're doing the September 15th one virtually still, uh, hoping to go back to in-person ones this fall. Everyone is invited to attend, whether you're in Madison or not. The information is helpful for everyone. We provide a basic you know, understanding of what a worker co-op is versus other different types of co-ops. You know, What are some of the advantages of a cooperative business over conventional business structures? Working with community organizations, exploited workers can learn about co-ops. Worker Justice Wisconsin connects exploited workers to available support to form a worker co-op. Worker Justice Wisconsin is a workers' rights center in Madison, and so they see the most exploited and vulnerable workers in our community. And so the fact that we can support them in building their organizational capacity to do education and also some technical assistance around starting co-ops uh, is really important part of our work. You can think about how the most exploited uh, folks in our community could build their own workplace where they have a say, they have control, they're not going to be exploited. Worker cooperatives in Madison today include a wellness business, engineering and manufacturing, a taxi company, bakery, a CDB processor, and home care for the elderly, among many others. We saw a lot of uh, people in the cleaning industry that were coming to the Workers' Rights Center and saying, you know, we're being put into people's homes and businesses without proper, you know, PPE, and we have no choice. We do it or we lose our jobs. And so one of the co-ops that we've been working with is a cleaning cooperative. Worker Justice Wisconsin is a great example of where we can target the folks who could most benefit um, from building a worker cooperative business. Workers can learn more about a value-driven business model that puts workers and community benefit at the core of its purpose. The next virtual session will be September 15th from 5.30 to 7. The library connection for this virtual meeting is madisonpubliclibrary.org slash co-op. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel. The National Labor Relations Board, with a new Democratic majority, overturned a Trump-era ruling against wearing union apparel at work. Labor Radio's Ellen LaLazorn has a story. 
In a recent decision, the National Labor Relations Board, or NLRB, ruled against Tesla for their policy prohibiting employees from wearing shirts bearing union insignia. The ruling involved Tesla and the United Auto Workers, or UAW. NLRB Chair Lauren McFerrin said that attempts to restrict wearing of union clothing or insignia is presumptively unlawful and consistent with Supreme Court precedent. He noted an employer has a heightened burden to justify attempts to limit this important right. In the 3-2 decision, the NLRB ruled that Tesla failed to establish special circumstances. In a previous ruling involving Walmart, Walmart justified its restrictions on wearing union insignia to allegedly enhance the customer shopping experience and prevent theft or vandalism. The NLRB ruled in favor of Walmart, although in the 2019 ruling, the NLRB did acknowledge potential interference with employees' rights under the National Labor Relations Act. The 2019 decision had set a precedent for employers across the country providing more control over limiting union apparel. The NLRB reversed the 2019 Walmart decision, saying the earlier decision ignored decades of board precedent. for Labor Radio. The National Labor Relations Board also made a significant ruling in the area of joint employer, meaning that who was actually responsible for the rules governing hours, wages, and working conditions. Sean Hagerup reports. On Tuesday, September 6th, the National Labor Relations Board released a Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, or NPRM, addressing the standard for determining joint employer status under the National Labor Relations Act. The NPRM proposes to rescind and replace the joint employer rule that took effect on April 27, 2020. Under the proposed rule, two or more employers would be considered joint employers if they, quote, share or co-determine those matters governing employees' essential terms and conditions of employment, which include wages, benefits, and other compensation, work and scheduling, hiring and discharge, discipline, workplace health and safety, supervision, assignment, and work rules. While currently only direct control over these conditions is considered in determining joint employer status, the board proposes to consider both direct evidence of control and evidence of reserved and or indirect control over these essential terms of employment when analyzing joint employer status. If two entities are joint employers under the National Labor Relations Act, both must bargain with a union that represents the jointly employed workers, both are potentially liable for unfair labor practices committed by the other, and both are subject to union picketing or other economic pressure if there is a labor dispute. This would bring the board's rules on joint employment more in line with the Browning-Ferris standard established by a board ruling in 2015. Quote, in an economy where employment relationships are increasingly complex, the board must ensure that its legal rules for deciding which employer should engage in collective bargaining serve the goals of the National Labor Relations Act, said Chairman Lauren McFerrin. She continued, quote, Unfortunately, the board's joint employer standard has been subject to a great deal of uncertainty and litigation in recent years. Rulemaking on this issue allows for valuable input from members of the public that will help the board in its effort to bring clarity and certainty to these significant questions. Chairman McFerrin was joined by board members Gwyn A. Wilcox and David M. Prouty in proposing the new joint employer standard. Board members Marvin E. Kaplan and John Effering dissented. Public comments are invited on all aspects of the proposed rule and should be submitted either electronically to regulations.gov, that is R-E-G-U-L-A-T-I-O-N-S dot gov, 
or by mail to Roxanne Rothschild, Executive Secretary, National Labor Relations Board, 1015 Half Street, Southeast, Washington, D.C. Comments on this proposed rule must be received by the NLRB on or before November 7th, 2022. Reporting for Labor Radio, I'm Sean Hagerup. California's fast food workers will now be covered under rules to improve conditions for those working in the industry. This story is brought to you by Labor Radio's Ellen Lalazern. California will enact a sweeping new approach to regulating fast food restaurants after Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill to effectively set a minimum wage in the industry and to create new safety and anti-discrimination rules. Amid resistance from fast food companies, the state legislature approved the bill, which sets up a 10-member council composed of representatives from labor and employers to oversee the industry's labor practices in California. The council can raise the industry minimum as high as $22 per hour for next year versus a $15.50 minimum for the rest of the state, after which the minimum will be adjusted for inflation. The council can also issue new labor, wages, and critical health and safety standards across the industry. Industry groups complain that the bill will raise costs that restaurants will pass on to consumers at a time of rapidly rising prices. They argued that state regulators already had the authority to improve health and safety conditions at fast food restaurants. Labor groups argued the bill is necessary to improve conditions for vulnerable worker populations. Many advocates noted that traditional enforcement relies on workers being willing to come forward with claims against their employers, something fast food workers are often reluctant to do. This is Ellen Lalazern for Labor Radio. California employers are mobilizing to overturn this rule via a referendum. Workers at UW Oshkosh picketed against the university's plans to subcontract grounds and custodial staff. Labor Radio's Ellen LaLuzerne reports. Janitorial workers, grounds workers, and faculty members protested custodial and grounds work outsourcing plans of the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. The proposal would outsource custodial work and grounds work to a private company in Tennessee and would impact about 100 workers. UW Oshkosh Interim Vice Chancellor of Finance and Administration Robert Roberts sent out an email to custodians and grounds employees in August announcing the plans. In the email, Robert said the school has struggled to find and retain employees due to economic conditions in the pandemic. According to the email, current employees would have the option, quote-unquote, to work for SSC, which offers higher pay and a sign-on bonus, but those employees would no longer be eligible for state benefits. University staff argue that signing bonuses would only help new staff until the bonuses run out. They also noted that a for-profit company will put profit over service. UW Oshkosh faculty, some with the American Federation of teachers joined the march Tuesday to support their fellow employees. The custodial and grounds employees are not represented by a union. The proposed subcontractor, any change would affect UW Oshkosh's main campus as well as UW Oshkosh Fox Cities and Fond du Lac. SSC Services works with other UW system campuses including UW Green Bay. This is Ellen Lalazern for Labor Radio. Stay strong Oshkosh Titans and now for the announcements. Join the Sustaining Scandinavian Folk Arts in the Upper Midwest Project at UW-Madison on Tuesday, October 4th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. in the Memorial Union for Signe Orell by Maja Erling and Olga Sandstrom. This concert includes stories and music about the life of a Swedish immigrant labor activist, Signe Orell, who worked and organized women in Minneapolis from 1913 to 1920. 
Thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Carol Weidel. Thanks to editors Frank Emspach and Ellen LaLazerne, Greg Jabowski, Sean Hagerup, Janine Ramsey, and Damage Control Specialist Joanne Powers. Special thanks to Keith Steffen, our reader coordinator, and to all our readers and members of IBEW Local 2304 WORT Staff Collective. And I am Jimmy Coonan. We also like to thank all the generous contributors to the Labor Radio and WORT. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts and the Professor Bill Clark. Party on! <laughs> <laughs>